You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. I'm Jeff Shulman, a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And if you're a young professional, you will not want to miss this episode. But first, if you live in West Seattle, I have some great news for you. Thanks to Far Away Entertainment, my documentary, On the Brink, will be playing on Sunday, September 8th at the historic Admiral Theater. The Admiral Theater on California Avenue in West Seattle plays home to Blockbusters and Independent Fair. It's a charming venue, and I'm thrilled that Far and Away Entertainment is opening its doors to welcome you for a special screening of On the Brink. On the Brink was touted by the Seattle Times as a cautionary tale and a call to action in the face of Seattle's rapid growth. Ticket information will be posted to onthebrinkmovie.com soon. Mark your calendars for the evening of September 8th and check back to onthebrinkmovie.com for tickets. The movie and the podcast have both been inspired by the rapid growth and transformation in this city. According to the census, Seattle saw a net influx of over 15,000 people in the year ending July 2018. And with Seattle recently being declared as the most expensive city for renters outside of California, and yes, we've climbed past LA, DC, and New York, there are many people moving out of this city. So that means the 15,000 population increase just scratches the surface of the number of people who are new to our city. So if you're new to Seattle, it could be daunting to figure out how to tap into the city's wealth of job opportunities, how to get help on areas of professional development, and how to find someone who could plug you into the social pipeline. Today's interviews are with people who are doing just that for thousands of local newcomers and longtime residents who are seeking to connect and help one another. First, I sit down with Lewis Lynn, noted author of books such as Be the Greatest Product Manager Ever. He describes the community he has built to help people prepare for product management interviews. He shares valuable lessons about how he built the 9,000-member strong community, and these lessons can be applied to other people or organizations hoping to bring together a community for a common purpose. Then, I sit down with Ahmad Corner and Jamie Schindler of Young Professionals of Seattle. They share lessons they've learned in bringing over 13,000 young professionals together in Seattle for social activities, networking activities, and professional development activities. So if you're a young professional, these two communities just might help you take your career to the next level. These interviews also provide insight into how you, your organization, or your business can launch and grow a vibrant community. And to me, hearing these stories has given insight into where Seattle has been, where it is, and where it is going. So join me as I sit down with Lewis Lynn. I am here with Lewis Lynn. He's a man of many hats, uh, notably an entrepreneur and an author of several books. Uh, some of my students at the Foster School of Business MBA program uh, think very highly of as they're uh, helping them become product managers and helping them prepare for interviews and case interviews. And, you know, we'll get all into some of the books that you've written that are, are helping foster MBA students and students around the country. But Lewis, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. As we said, you're a man of many hats, but we're going to talk about one. Uh, we're finding we're looking at finding community in a dynamic mm -hmm. city, and you are building a community of people uh, who could help each other get ready to become product managers, help mm -hmm. each other in interviews. Uh, before we get to that, what brought you to Seattle? Microsoft. Uh, this was back in uh, 2003, actually. So you and I, we say, share the same alma mater, uh, Northwestern University. I got my MBA 
from the Kellogg School of Management. And uh, in 2003, Microsoft brought me to Seattle. That's where I did my summer internship. And back then, it was still Bill Gates. Uh, I was part of that intern experience where Bill invited us to his house out in Medina. And uh, it was just a beginning of a love affair. Um, I mean, the Seattle summers were incredible, and it wasn't very hard to get bowled over by the beauty, the weather, uh, the people, the neighborhoods, and uh, what is it now? 2019. So I guess I've been here for the last 16 years. So it's kind of hard to get rid of me. I mean, Seattle's an amazing place. In these last seven years, uh, I and many people have noticed that Seattle is really transforming. That it's uh, the rapid growth, unprecedented growth, um, and just a lot of changes. What changes have you found most striking in this latest boom time? The biggest surprise is that it just seemed to come from nowhere. I mean, back in 2003, 2004, um, you know, clearly uh, Amazon um, was a fairly established company, uh, well-known in the tech industry, very, very popular with e-commerce shoppers. But I just remember Amazon as that company up in the hill, right? They were in that PacMed building, just kind of overlooking the city. And, you know, they were doing well, but they weren't, like, growing like gangbusters. And um, a few years after I landed, this was maybe back in, like, 2012, I actually had an office in uh, South Lake Union amongst uh, several different companies. And I just remember being out in South Lake Union, Westlake, um, and it was just so different. I mean, it was just warehouses upon warehouses. And I just remember working out of those offices we had maybe like one or two decent lunch options, and now that neighborhood has transformed. I mean, not only does it have a lot more lunch options, but it's got a lot more gleaming office buildings over the last few years, um, and then uh, clearly a lot more people. You know, it's it's amazing to to have a front row seat to see all these changes, um, and the changes are just happening so quickly. I just I barely remember what it used to look like. We're going to talk about this practice community that you've created where you're bringing people together for a purpose of helping each other interview for product management Mm -hmm. roles, which there are plenty here in Seattle as we're talking about with the growth and change here. Before that, what was it like in Bill Gates' house? Uh, I had never heard that you were (laughs) hanging out in Bill Gates' house. Bill's a great host. And so I believe we were the last uh, summer because shortly after I did my internship, then that's when uh, Steve B., Steve Ballmer, uh, took the helm of the the company, and then he had a whole new set of traditions. Uh, but apparently, uh, year uh, summer in and summer out, Bill would host all the Microsoft interns at his house. And Microsoft's not a small company. We're not just talking about the MBA interns, but the engineering interns and the finance interns. And so legend has it that every summer, Bill would invite like 1,500, 1,800 or so interns to his house. Um, and as big and palatial as as Bill's house is, he can't just host like 2,000 people at once. And so I think he had us in in groups of like uh, 200 at a time. The really interesting thing was there was kind of a a two-step process where they first had the big charter buses that would take us to like a local like church or rendezvous point in Medina. We would uh, uh, disembark, then walk through uh, uh, metal detectors, uh, security measures, and then they would have us on smaller buses because it uh, was hard for these big charter buses to make their way down to the house. Um, and so that was pretty exciting to just like, wow, we're going to um, some big VIP and all this <laughs> security measures in place. But once we got there, 
you know, Bill was an amazing host. Like I felt like Bill just showed up like within minutes of the first crew of uh, interns uh, showing up at his house. And um, he was there till the very end. And he answered every single question that we had for him. And um, it was a gorgeous house. Uh, Some of the technologies in terms of flat screen TVs everywhere and, um, you know, a beautiful backyard. And then, of course, the boat, all that stuff. It was just an amazing experience to have. So transitioning, you know, Mm. we're talking about finding community in a dynamic city. and, And you've built a community started here in Seattle, but mm-hmm. it's online, so it's got people from all over, mm-hmm. uh, 9,000 strong. Tell me about the product management interview community that you've built. Yeah, so um, it's meant for uh, job seekers, and it's uh, really targeted to a certain set of job seekers. So within the tech industry, there's a very popular role called the product manager role. And for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with that title, I kind of think of it as like a movie producer, but for software. Um, these product management interviews and the most coveted firms are uh, companies like Amazon, Google, uh, Microsoft, Facebook. Um, they're known for fairly quirky interview questions. Uh, they don't content themselves with just asking you, tell me about yourself or why do you want to join this company? They like to ask questions like, uh, Um, Let's say you're the product manager for Gmail, how would you redesign it? Or if you're the product manager for Facebook, what goals and metrics would you uh, look at? These questions, they are hard. They're not easy to answer. They seem to be uh, a little bit uh, off the beaten path, and uh, it helps to um, be prepared, uh, not only the initial shock of it, but also how to actually answer these questions. And so Um, To help facilitate that, I started this community where product manager candidates who are getting ready for these interviews can find each other and practice with one another. And how did you take the first steps towards getting, you know, the one person, the 10 people, the 20 people? How did you get the first steps to get this off the ground? Yeah, um, I definitely had a little bit of an advantage. So uh, before I started the community, I had done quite a bit of work with product management interviews. I've had my own interview coaching firm where I've worked with a lot of these um, product manager candidates. I've written a couple of books. I had built up a uh, fairly sizable uh, mailing list uh, over email. I also do workshops with business schools um, across uh, North America. And so tapping into each one of those uh, pockets, I invited them to to join on. Um, But you're absolutely right. The early days of building a community, the first one, the 10th uh, the one, the 100th one, the 1,000th one, um, you know, it, it takes time to nurture the community. And so I definitely had to play a fairly active role to uh, nurture that in the sense of maybe uh, stimulating the community with uh, various questions or events or topics or sharing information, um, establishing you know, what are some of the standard guidelines in terms of what happens within this community. Those were all the things that uh, had to happen fairly early on. And this is a free community, right? Yes, it's a free community. It's an online community. It's hosted on the software platform called Slack. And uh, so here you are giving your time towards kind of bringing people together and then kind of managing the expectations and also helping kind of codify the experience that somebody's going to get out of being a part of this community. 
How have you felt seeing this grow from the first two people helping each other out to 9,000 people helping each other out? There's a couple of things that are uh, absolutely beautiful about it. Um, number one is, you know, it's, I believe we started it three, four years ago. And so at this point, like you mentioned earlier, we've got 9,000 members. Um, and just to see the organic nature of this, where it, the community itself's been it's, a, its own living and breathing organism, if you will, and it's just self-organizing and um, people uh, taking the initiative to help one another out and reaching out with one another. You know, that's just kind of a, a beautiful thing to, to see it come to life. Um, it's also really exciting to see some of the connections. And, you know, sometimes I see it through the thank you notes and the thank you letters. And then other times I hear um, secondhand or thirdhand some of the stories about um, people not only getting some of their dream jobs at these companies, but nurturing lifelong friendships, building out their professional networks in what is really considered a you know, fairly small world, like the tech industry, people move in and out and they'll come across one another. And it's, and it's not just a West Coast thing, which I think a lot of people think, oh, well, these are tech industry jobs, must be uh, focused strictly in the Bay Area or Bay Area plus Seattle and L.A. or maybe tack on uh, New York and Boston while you're at it. I mean, we're uh, touching people that are in London and Berlin and India and China. And so it's been exciting to just kind of see this uh, global phenomenon. And so it's clear why somebody who is going to get help yeah. Uh, for a product management interview, why they would want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Why are people helping others? Yeah, it's um, you know I think this is kind of a, a classic win-win. Um, uh, I I don't I can't recall word for word that Abraham Lincoln quote, but it's along the lines of like, hey, uh, you know you can learn from anybody, and I think that's you know that ethos of. Um, you know, sure, we might be different levels preparing with one another, but um, an experienced uh, person can even learn from somebody who's just starting out by um, not only uh, hearing differences in approaches, but even, and for this is uh, something that you and I could relate to, is um, teaching others and explaining concepts to others. Um, it helps you to have a deeper appreciation of the material or uh, quite often that happens to me is how do I communicate the material differently so that the other person gets it? And so between the uh, internalizing of the information and thinking about how better to communicate it, that's also a beautiful learning experience even for some of the more experienced or more skilled uh, practicers on the community. And you have 9,000 people in this online product management practice interview community. Yeah. Can you talk about how the online community has spilled over into kind of in-person relationships among people here in Seattle? Yeah. Um, so some of the stories that uh, that I've heard, you know, folks are getting together for for lunches and um, they're going to like conferences together and doing meetups. Um, they share tips in terms of like other job opportunities, and so it's it's a really beautiful thing to just kind of see that grow organically. And then another thing that we're trying to do is getting your dream job, nailing the interview, doing well in that is just the beginning step. Um, one of the things that we're trying to grow out is to um, not just talk about interviews, but also about um, moving up in one's careers. And 
you know, how do you influence others? How do you manage your boss's expectations? And we're st just starting to see some of those pieces grow into the community. And so for somebody else who's trying to build something here in Seattle, somebody who might feel lost and alone and, and not see, not want to join somebody else's vision, but want to rally people together yeah. around their own. What lessons have you learned from growing your pra product management practice interview community from one to, to 9,000 people? <laughs> uh, what have you, what lessons would you share with somebody trying to build their own community? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. The first thing is just, biggest thing is just courage. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it can feel lonely when you're the first person uh, or organizing and rallying the community. You feel like you're the person who's uh, in a public space dancing alone. And so it can feel very embarrassing. You might have some second thoughts about what you're doing. Is it a worthwhile endeavor? Because if it was, you wouldn't be the only person dancing alone. And so uh, mustering up that courage and having that that patience, that willpower, that fortitude to believe in really the second part, which is a vision, right? And um, you know, what do you stand for um, as as a community? Um, you know, is it to get ready for a certain set of interviews? Is it to um, give back to folks who are underserved? Is it to um, rehabilitate a neighborhood, for example? And so, you know, having that vision, that cause, that mission is um, is really clear. Uh, making that clear is, is absolutely important. Um, some of the other things that I can think of are um, having shared activities. Um, it reminds me from uh, one of my organizational behavior classes back at Northwestern, um, and it's you know that's really the um, how you know social ties are being built is when you do spend time with one another. Um, that you have these shared experiences um, that you can uh, draw from and have this shared goal or shared cause is absolutely key. Um, we talked briefly about um, having some clear uh, norms and behaviors. Um, every time I think about a community, I'm like, oh, well, we've just got new members joining the community. Why don't they just hop to it and practice interviews? Or why don't they just hop to it and start mentoring um, other folks or tutoring or um, helping out with a cleanup initiative. Um, and the analogy that um, I'm constantly reminded of reminds me of my younger days when I would try to hit the nightclubs. You don't just join that, that nightclub, that community, and just boogie down in the very first second. Um, you tend to do what other people do, which is you kind of sit back as a new member and you observe. And so clarifying to your new members like what is um, acceptable behavior and what's not because the last thing you want to do is join a new community and get banished from that community um, and then the last part that I think about is um, taking leadership I think as much as we hope as community leaders that we could take a hands-off approach and that everyone will just kind of figure it out on their own um, you know eventually uh, you'll have members who kind of test different parts of the community and say, okay, well, can I promote my business's services? And you'll have to corral them back. It's like, no, sorry, no spam, right? Because um, that hurts the fabric of the community or it's not relevant. And so, um, you know, it, it feels like for a passion that you care about, like you sh shouldn't have to expend a lot of effort policing what's acceptable versus what is not. 
but if you don't tend to it a little bit, then uh, it'll just kind of feel like a garden where they're just kind of weeds popping up everywhere where, yeah, it's working, but it's not as attractive as you'd like it to be. Now, you have an inside look with uh, a 9,000-person community of uh, people practicing product management interviews as to the health of the local tech community. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the future for Seattle and this tech community? Can we anticipate that these companies are going to continue to grow and these uh, product managers are going to continue to create innovative products that are going to draw money and people to Seattle from around the world? first insight that comes to mind is just um, the pace at which Amazon is hiring is absolutely incredible. Um, they, they're hiring so many people. They're drawing so many people from around the world, people from the East Coast, people overseas. I mean, Amazon is just one of those rare transformational companies. Um, the adjunct to that is uh, because uh, companies go where the talent is, um, a lot of tech companies are trying to ride off of Amazon's coattails um, and try to siphon off all the great talent that Amazon's aggregated in this uh, neighborhood here in Seattle. And uh, nothing's more obvious than when you drive up and down Mercer, you don't just see the Google building, but it's the Google Cloud building. And clearly they're trying to tap into the Amazon Web Services talent that um, is located here. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, I do travel quite a bit to deliver my um, half-day and full-day workshops around the United States, getting to travel to, to business schools. And, and, you know, the interesting observation I've, I've found is um, uh, there definitely has been this migration um, back to the urban centers. Some of the ones that, you know, come to mind, um, Philly, it seems to have you know quite the renaissance, which is absolutely incredible. Um, Detroit, you know, when I go there, you know, it's amazing to kind of see how they've bounced back as well. A lot of really interesting activity in the in the South. You know, having that kind of first-hand view of this transformation across America, you know, it's it's been fascinating. And so you're saying that uh, what has been documented as kind of the great inversion, the, mm -hmm. the migration back into urban centers. Um, and these companies taking advantage of that or, or moving in on that, um, we're not alone in this no. experiencing mm -hmm. the growth that we've had here not in Seattle. Not at all. Not at all. And so you said you you keep your community free of spam. Uh, yeah. I do as well. Although I welcome you to give a plug. Uh, is there something that the listener of Seattle Growth Podcast uh, might find valuable about what you're doing? As you mentioned, I'm an entrepreneur, so there's no shortage of projects that that I'm working on. Um, related to this product manager interview uh, practice community. And if you are interested, a quick Google search, you'll find instructions on how to sign up. I actually just recently launched a book. It's not so much about interviews, but it's about uh, once you've landed that coveted product management role, how do you move up in your career all the way from frontline, entry-level product manager, and what I argue presumably all the way to CEO. And so it's got a pretty uh, audacious claim. The name of the book title is Be the Greatest Product Manager Ever. Um, and so if you're interested in that topic, uh, absolutely encourage you to check it out. Um, a lot of really positive re reviews. A lot of people are very, very excited. And it's meant for people of all levels, not just for entry-level product managers, but people who are in mid-career and even 
um, a little further along at the executive level, somebody with like maybe 20, 30 years, for example. Um, outside of that, and related to that book, uh, one of my biggest obsessions is um, you know, understanding uh, people and talent. You know, what are the characteristics of great talent? I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts. I think very much in the spirit of um, you know the Seattle Growth podcast about the theme for for uh, for this season about community. I feel pretty fortunate. Um, you know, where uh, I live in Fremont now, but I used to live in Wallingford, and um, you know, it's just one of those really unique neighborhoods where uh, you just get to know the neighbors and we hang out like every Wednesday at the local pub and grab beers and um, you know there's just something really special when you when you are part of a community when you know your neighbors and you have these friendly uh, relationships and uh, where I came from I grew up in Southern California that wasn't really the case because when everyone's in a McMansion and you've got these big SUVs it's too easy to avoid your neighbors and so uh, um, you know, I think in my little microcosm, you know, where uh, I spend quite a bit of time in Wallingford, um, you know, to to feel um, the strength of that community, those bonds, you know, absolutely. I hope it's something that we return to and um, really cherish. Lewis, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. My next interview shares the secret sauce behind bringing 13,000 young professionals together and learning how to cater to their needs. But before we get to this interview, if you have not seen my new documentary, On the Brink, please press pause on this podcast and head to onthebrinkmovie.com screenings to register to see the film on August 15th at the Neptune Theater in the University District. This is a rare chance to see the film for free, courtesy of Seattle Theater Group's Nights at the Neptune, a people's theater joint. And even though you have a chance to see it free, thanks to the Seattle Theater Group, you'll want to register for your ticket in advance at www.onthebrinkmovie.com screenings. As written in Crosscut, the history lesson here is one all Seattleites would benefit from learning. And if you miss out on this chance, you'll have to wait until September 8th when you can see On the Brink at the historic Admiral Theater in West Seattle. Now, join me as I sit down with Ahmad Corner and Jamie Schindler. I am here with Ahmad Corner and Jamie Schindler on the leadership team of Young Professionals of Seattle uh, in a dual interview here today. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, Ahmad and Jamie. Thanks for having us. So we're going to talk about how you're building community in this dynamic city. Uh, but first, I ask everybody, what brought you to Seattle? I moved here. I originally grew up in Florida, uh, moved several times, but at the time I was coming from Boulder. And uh, I came here because my brother had been here for about five years and he says he missed family, but <laughs> once we all got here, and my sisters moved here, and um, some other family members as well. So, and what year was that? That was eight years ago. Eight so years ago. about three months after YPOS started. And I'm on. I've been here for as long as I can remember. So yeah, I, I and I just never found a reason to leave. So yeah, here I am. Ahmad, you've been here for years and mm -hmm. years, and Jamie, you've been here for about eight years. These last seven years, Seattle's undergone a dramatic transformation that, that seems to accelerate almost every year. What changes have you found most striking? I live in South Lake Union. Every single thing has changed. There was like, when I moved in, two bars. I mean, there wasn't like a close coffee shop. There wasn't accessibility to a lot of things. Um, it was just water and a couple apartments. So I've seen a ton of change and then being new to the city, just growing with it. So yeah, construction wise, absolutely. I mean, 
the University of Washington neighborhood too. I mean, there's new buildings all over the place. I barely recognize it, right? Um, I think people or like relationships have changed a bit, um, and it might be a little bit more based on my specific perception, being that I grew up here. Um, but I feel like seven years ago, seven ten years ago, people had their circle of friends that they grew up with, they hung out with, and sometimes those circles integrated with each other. Whereas now I think there's a lot of social activities um, built around like a community of transplants, um, which I think is great and I think it's super relevant, but I think, I mean, there's events that are happening all over the city all the time. Um, I don't think I saw any of that before. Um, I think I'm a little bit more inclusive to to what everyone is looking for either job stuff friends i mean there's a lot of need here for for a bunch of different things so speaking of relationships and community you have uh together really grown uh, this organization and this community young professionals of seattle uh, i'm going to want to hear all about it how you took the first steps how you felt seeing this happen but first just tell the listener what is young professionals who is it for and what are you trying to do with it I mean, to me, I think everyone kind of has a slightly uh, different definition, but to me, Young Professionals was my community that I leaned on. Um, it was, I was new to the city. I was looking for friends, jobs, and anything in between um, to explore the city. And so for me, it was it was a, a community. And I think as we've, you know, worked with YPOS for the past eight years, it's, we've kind of grown up with our community and then accepted those those new people coming in too, so... That's what I would think. Yeah, I think uh, originally it was intended to be a super inclusive organization for networking, professional development, meeting people that were, um, you know, in the same boat as you, maybe just graduated college or looking for a job transition. Um, As the city has grown, uh, the the growth has accelerated, I think we've become more of kind of a landing pad. Uh, largely for transplants, people that have moved to Seattle and are looking to find a way to integrate themselves into that city with other people. Um, so we've been, uh, I think, kind of a, a directory for, for young professionals that are looking for other young professionals to hang out with, um, to go to parties with, or for companies to work for, right? Um, that was not at all our intention when uh, I started this eight years ago, right? But it's kind of where... Um, you know, the path has led us, which, you know, I think it's really interesting and cool. And so how do you define young and how do you define professional? <laughs> Intentionally do not define either one, actually. Okay. Um, honestly, I don't think I put that much thought into it at the time. Um, you know, I looked at myself at that time as a quote-unquote young professional um, without definition, obviously, and was looking for networking opportunities and found that a lot of other people that consider themselves young professionals were, were as well. We started getting questions fairly early on, like, you know, what's young? I, I would like the network. Um, I don't know if I consider myself young. Do you have a cutoff? I'm just like, no. You feel like you're a young professional, then show up, hang out, network, meet people. That's totally fine. So since then, we've just left the definition entirely vague, right? Like the goal from the very beginning was to be as inclusive as possible, right? And I do think the term young professional can be somewhat limiting, yeah, um, it's, and by the way, our number one question. It's, yeah. it's something that comes up all the time. And, 
you know, if we defined it at some point, we're going to age ourselves out of our own organization. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so I have no intention on doing that. Okay. So at some yeah. point it might be anybody under 75. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it can be that right now. Okay. <laughs> and, and so uh, my understanding is uh, Jamie came on board fairly early and helped uh, really grow this thing. Uh, but I want to hear then from you first, Ahmad, about taking these very first steps to building this community that seems to be thriving right now. Yeah, I think it was just my um, young, overly ambitious self that thought, you know, if something didn't exist, I need to create it. Um, you know, I, I had a background in law, meaning I went to school for law, thought I was going to be an attorney, um, until I started working for a law firm, um, which I think I enjoyed early on because it was something different. I was diving into a profession that I thought I wanted. Um got a pr- promoted a few times, uh, realized, I think relatively quickly, that that's not a space I wanted to be in for the rest of my career. So I needed to figure out what I wanted to do, and I heard networking was a good idea, a good way to identify different industries or an industry that made sense. Um, at that time, there really wasn't a networking community for people that I thought were like me. Um you know, a lot of stuff was very industry specific. Um, there was like young professionals in marketing, young professionals in real estate. Didn't think I wanted to get into any one of those, but still genuinely curious on like what was out there and, you know, who I could meet that could get me a foot in the door. Nothing existed. So again, I thought, you know, why not start something myself? Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen that easily. I did a little bit of research. You know, I reached out to other young professional groups that looked interesting, interesting that weren't in Seattle. You know, anybody that would respond to me, I would you know, ask as many questions as I, as I possibly could and realize that, like, you know, this is something that I could probably do, um, but also something that I probably shouldn't try to do on my own. So I was actually introduced to somebody local in Seattle, and that person was Kelly Deary, who co-founded Young Professionals in Seattle with me about eight years ago, about eight and a half years ago. So, yeah, it was her, myself. We found a couple other people to join the board. We didn't really know what a board was at that time. How do you go from just you and maybe a couple like-minded individuals who are willing to be leadership to getting number one, number two, uh, all the way to like 10, 15, 20? Yeah, Yeah, I think it really was. um, I mean, it started with two. Um, That number grew to about five of us. And none of us really knew each other at the time. Um, I think one person maybe knew somebody else from work that they didn't really know, and they brought them in to the team. So we all had our own independent circles of friends, like our own individual networks um, that maybe overlapped a little bit, but, um, you know, in aggregate created, um, you know, enough, I guess, enough reach for us to have, like, a relatively, like, good event. Like, I think our first happy hour, we had, like, 30, 40 people. We're like, okay, this is kind of cool. People seem to like it. Let's do it again next month. Um, continue doing so. Friends told friends. Um, you know, we we leaned on the power of social media a bit to to continue amplifying the uh, the messaging around what we were doing. And you know, I think within six months, we were consistently seeing 60, 70, 80 people per event, and continue to small snowball from there. And then yeah. Jamie, you came on board, and uh, you and Ahmad and, and the rest of the leadership team have helped grow this in multiples of that over these last years. What did you do to help kind of fan the flames? I think it was a couple things. I my perspective was really different. There was a lot of people there that had 
obviously Ahmad had grown up here um, and had his network and I was really like wanting to build mine um, and, and and hungry, you know, and I think when, when people are hungry, there's opportunities that present themselves that maybe other people wouldn't have taken. Um, and, you know, to build the community is to create like a really good space for people to want to come back. Um, and that's been, I think, the secret sauce, um, you heard it first, uh, of YPOS is just, you know, being authentic, real people um, and creating an environment for that. So I think people genuinely wanted to come back. Like it was like, okay, I heard about it, but then we had those uh, started what I call regs, the regulars that kept coming back and it was really cool to see it. One of like one of the most important things she brought to Young Professional Seattle when she joined was she I think it simplified that audience persona that we didn't know we were were after at that time. It's like when Seattle started growing extraordinarily fast and people were looking for some entity or some organization to point them in the right direction. She actually personified that, I think. Um, so she did come with a perspective that was different than a lot of the people that were part of the board at the time because we were all from Seattle or at least had like gone to college here you know, and had a network of friends where she was like, I know nobody um, outside of this organization and I'm leveraging this organization to find a job and find friends and you know, build the relationships and network that you know, I, I need to to thrive and that was somewhat I think eye-opening to us that like most of our audience is going to be that person not us the Seattle locals and, and so you start this with you know two people it grows 540 and then you have 70 people coming to these events Jamie uh, brings the outside perspective that personifies you know the transplant and the people who are looking for community and jobs Talk about some of the highlights. You know, where where is Young Professionals of Seattle today? There's so many things, but highlights. Uh, you know, thirteen thousand and growing, um, and that's a that's a number we know a lot about, which I'm really proud of. That you know, we have them fill out a profile, and then we actually read the profile, take the stats from it, and build events around that. Big highlight of mine because. You know, to create an event that everyone is like dying and looking, you know, looking for those events um, and asking for year by year is is really exciting um, on a on a marketing standpoint. And just seeing it grow um, organically has been really exciting too. And so, Ahmad, you started something that didn't exist in your mind and is now has thirteen thousand community members strong. How have you felt building something from scratch and seeing it grow like this? Uh, I mean, it, it's fulfilling, um, but I think more, more realistically, it's it's. I feel like sometimes I'm so far in the weeds I don't even realize um, what I'm a part of or or, or, or what it actually exists um, until like I'm somewhere else and somebody talks to me about Young Professionals of Seattle and asks me if I've heard of it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I've heard. It. I, I founded it. That's crazy. That you know, it's got this much reach. Um, I I, but, I recently to that point, I recently put my name on the well, not recently, I guess a year ago or so, put, made it more personal and put my name on the newsletter. So it says Jamie S. And when I start talking about oh, young professionals of Seattle, and they're like, they'll stop me. And I've had so many people do this to me. They'll stop me. Like, oh my god, wait, you're Jamie S. And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess that's it. Yeah, so, so you're yeah. Uh, Jamie S. to 13,000 people. <laughs> uh, any other feelings you've had uh, just seeing this community come together and seeing what you've accomplished? I, I think it's really cool just to see the sustainability with the entire thing um, and see how many people are really enthusiastic about participating. Um, and that's either joining a leadership team under the 
YP group umbrella or just showing up to events, right? Um, I think it's also really cool seeing companies see value in not just the community that we've built, um, but the information we have around the, the individuals that are in the community. Um, you know, seeing or understanding that there's actually value to the work that we've been doing for the last eight or so years. Um, Elevating those small businesses that have been struggling to find a really cool platform to reach these groups of people that we cultivated is really cool um, to see it. And we find ways, um, I'm always thinking of something very random, but we find ways to kind of reach their audience and help them um, through that process. And, you know, specifically like a small restaurant, like, or small companies like restaurants, you know, their margins are so tight they're not spending thousands and thousands of dollars on these marketing budgets. And for us to be able to cultivate our audience for them is pretty cool. And so for somebody who's looking to, uh, for a sense of belonging in this dynamic city, and perhaps they're like you were, Ahmad, where they're not finding that what they're, what's available to them to join as a community member is exactly what that would fulfill them. And so they want to start their own community. Uh, are there any lessons that, that you've learned from starting this community and growing it uh, that you could share with somebody who's trying to build their own? Yeah, I would say um, don't try to do it alone. Um, I think there's, there's power in, uh, uh, in group thought. Right? I think having perspectives that aren't like yours will help you build something for a, a, a larger community. Um, and also, I mean, I think, listen, right? It sounds weird to say, like, don't be super proactive, but instead be somewhat reactive, right? Like, listen to what your community wants and build around that. And I think that's what's helped us grow and I think sustain for the, the amount of time that we have is that, you know, in order to join the community, you don't pay you just fill out a survey, a bunch of information that really dictates what this community is going to look like going forward, right? Um, so yeah, build for the, the the people that you know you want in your community. I think, and you can't do that unless you listen. And Jamie, any lessons that yeah. you'd share? <laughs> a be authentic. Um, once again, the more authentic and you you bring in those people into your your events. Um, and the big one for me has been um, don't do things that aren't working. Um, it sounds like a really simple idea. And we, I think when we first started like events, we were doing certain things that everyone else had always done, you know, um, and it just wasn't working for our audience. It, we're a unique community here in Seattle. And if it's not working, um, we were really open as a group to just be like, okay, then let's not do it or let's find a, a way that works better um, for our audience. And that makes a huge difference. Uh, any other lessons that Somebody wants to start their own community to help have a sense of belonging for themselves and the people around them. I was going to bounce off what he said was don't do it alone, but ask for ask for help. Like when you're in the weeds and there's a huge fire, uh, you're not going to be putting it out by yourself. And if you do, there's going to be a lot of destruction. And so to be able to not only just take, not necessarily advice, but someone's actual um, help to be like, let me guide you through this and, and be your support because it's, it can be kind of, you know, scrappy, this whole process of, uh, doing it, you know, oh my gosh, I'm putting out a fire. So are you. Okay. Uh, you know, and we've in the past, I think a couple years kind of made it a bigger point to do that. Yeah. That was big. Seattle's a generous community for a lot of really smart, talented people. I think that want to be part of something bigger than themselves too. So I, I wouldn't feel, and it's easy to say, but like I wouldn't feel intimidated to ask people for help. So I've found that like more more often than not, people are 
wanting. Yeah, and I think at first we didn't because we wanted that. You know, it was like, oh, we put it on by ourselves. This is our community. We're building this. But it's all of our community. Like, we've built it into something that Seattle, I think, is pretty proud of. Um, And we are. And now I want to give you a chance to reach that person who is feeling lost and alone in Seattle or feeling a loss of community. Help them understand what they would get if they chose to be a part of the Young Professionals of Seattle. Yeah, we have a ton of events. So I think now we have events that are bigger and smaller. We're finding that more of the introverts are going towards the smaller events to test us out and then going to the bigger ones as they feel more comfortable. Um, I would say, you know, check out what what works for you. Um, If it's not working, once again, don't don't force yourself to do it. It's not going to be a fun environment. And, you know, the simple, I'm not sure if we fully mention this, but simple little detail at all of our events, we don't have name tags um, basic. So you can walk up to someone and just ask them something about themselves, you know, nice t-shirt or, you know, then you have to ask them their name. <laughs> right. You're and adding wait, wait. one <laughs> scary step. But it's, the whole process. it's not, that's think... not the scary step. The scary step is forgetting it mid conversation, which happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, time. ah, yes, that was your name. Yeah. So. But I think that brings up an important point too. I think there, there are a lot of introverts in Seattle. Um, and it's, really easy if you're not an introvert to say get yourself out there go to a networking event and meet as many people as possible right i mean i i've met people who get anxiety about being in public spaces right so it's not always easy and sometimes it's easier to connect with people digitally so we try to provide both a digital and a physical platform to allow people to engage with each other um you know and while we host i think over 50 events a year just with our community alone across the seattle area i mean provide plenty of variety there's a lot of communities and organizations out there as well i mentioned earlier that we look at ourselves now as more of a landing pad and the reality is you know we do um you know instead of us recreating the wheel uh and trying to put together an event for every single type of person like you know we've our our network goes beyond ourselves so we're always happy to point to different organizations or different event types or different companies that are hosting things um really depending on what your interests are right so you know, if you don't feel comfortable showing up to an event, like reach out via email or social media. We're yep. happy to direct you. And we you definitely, we definitely get those people, and then yeah. they'll they'll feel more comfortable and they'll either show up. But I can imagine 150, 200 people at a happy hour is a little intimidating. Like he was saying, you know, there's a lot of introverts. I'm like an extreme extrovert, so I would I I thrive. I love those type of environments. But when I started talking to people at some of our 30, 40 people events, they were just so happy they were like i could actually be part of this community and uh in my own way so. and what uh, what could somebody expect from coming to let's say one of the smaller events oh the young it, professors it all depends i was just uh in my head i was specifically talking about we we call it network out so we work out and then we network very creative and uh i think it leveled the playing field because uh, a lot of the women don't end up taking a shower because it's going to take too long and they'll you know, miss out on some of the networking. And uh, it's a really cool environment because it, everyone's on the same level. No one's going to be like, you're wearing more makeup or you're in a better outfit. Like, we all just worked out and, and had a great time. Yeah, I mean, in general, like a lot of our smaller events are very, um, I guess, content-focused or specific. Um, Jamie mentioned Network Out, which is a, net, a workout event series where people work out together. They network over drinks and healthy snacks afterwards, right? So it really creates a, uh, a, a an opportunity for, for people to, to meet other people with similar interests, 
not just I'm a young professional, I want to go drink after work, which is what our happy hours are, and they can be overwhelming because 150, 200 or so people. Um, but if you go to one of these other events that are, I mean, related to professional development, um, where we have a panel discussion or a fireside chat, and the focus is leadership or personal branding, uh, you know, you'll find not 200 people in a room, but like maybe 30 people, but they're all fairly interested in personal branding, right? So you're going to be amongst people that like, you know, that share a, an interest or a passion with you. Um, and you actually can bond over these curated experiences, right? Um, so that's the goal for us, at least with the smaller events, um, to make it a little easier for someone that, you know, maybe isn't super excited about walking into a room of 200 people, uh, of which they know no one, right? And so you've talked about how you've built this community and who could be a part of it and what somebody could learn if they're building their own community. I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to be part of Seattle at this time, right? I mean, I think there are several challenges that need to be addressed and dealt with. Um, I do think there are a lot of positives that come along with growth as well. Um, you know, I'm happy to be, again, a part of it and to, to witness and contribute to its growth. Um, and hopefully it's, you know, it, it's it's success. Um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't have anything else. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say very similar things. It's been a it's been a fun journey um, to see the growth. And, and I feel very lucky to be a part of this community. And um, I met Ahmad at the happy hour three days after I moved here. So he's the first person I met here. Um, and I'm hearing that this has happened a couple other times, so quite the welcoming committee over here. Um, but it's it's been a great journey, and I and I think we're in a really good spot right now to just keep growing and listen to our audience and do really awesome things. It you know it's like that light at the end of the tunnel kind of uh, starts to show up. So it's been great. Jamie, Ahmad, Ahmad, Jamie, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yay. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Now I want to hear from you. What lessons can your business apply from these interviews? Who else do you want to hear from in this season? Reach out to me on Twitter at Prof Shulman to let me know. Or come tell me in person at the next screening of On the Brink on Thursday, August 15th at the Neptune Theater. Head to www.onthebrinkmovie.com slash screenings to get tickets. Don't just take it from me. The stranger deemed it, and I quote, worth watching. And the Seattle Times hailed it as a cautionary tale and a call to action. Go to onthebrinkmovie.com slash screenings to get tickets. Next week, we continue looking at finding community in a dynamic city as I sit down with UW Football Hall of Famer Greg Lewis to learn more about his community building efforts in the Central District with the YMCA. Before we close out this episode, I want to thank Pamela Burton for her help with the audio, Ed Cromer for his work on the UW Foster School of Business blog, Rebecca Gorley, Michelle Ma, Victor Balta, and Peter Kelly for their work sharing the podcast. And I also want to acknowledge the voice you heard at the introduction of this episode. That was Grammy-nominated artist Hollis Wong Ware, who appeared on Season 4 of Seattle Growth Podcast, which explored the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene. In last week's episode, I gave a shout-out to some listeners who engage with Seattle Growth Podcasts on Twitter. And if I'm going to acknowledge my listeners, I can't forget Jack Rosenfeld and Isaac, Thank you for being longtime Seattle Growth Podcast listeners and engaging on social media. If you've been listening for weeks and you haven't heard your name mentioned on a podcast episode, reach out to me on Twitter and your name could be here next week. As I close out this episode, I want to thank Faraway Entertainment 
They have charming theaters throughout the region, including Bainbridge Cinemas, Historic Linwood, and Varsity Theater in the U District, and I am thrilled that they will be opening their doors to On the Brink at the Historic Admiral Theater on September 8th. Visit farawayentertainment.com to learn more about their theaters and to see what they're playing, and check back to onthebrinkmovie.com for upcoming details about the screening of On the Brink. I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the sixth season of Seattle Growth Podcast.